Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm. Live by Live has all of your favorite music and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and if you can't tell by my voice, I am beyond excited because for the first time, we are going to two-a-days, right when NFL teams go to two-a-days. The Baltimore Ravens, the first NFL team to report to training camp. The veterans today, wow, that is a long road to haul for those guys. But since they're going two-a-days, we are going two-a-days on the Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast Thankfully, because we have the best fantasy analyst in the business. He is. I mean, look up Google anywhere. Look up, ask anybody. Evan Silva from Roto World is the best. At Evan Silva on Twitter. I'm Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL, former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, five teams, seven years. Love talking fantasy football and really enjoyed meeting a lot of you. At the NFFC last weekend, it was great to hear how many people listen to the Fantasy Feast podcast. That is awesome. Please go ahead and continue to rate and review the show and tell people about it so more people realize what we've got going on here. I've got time for three more contestants today for the July Best Ball Draft, which means I only have spot for one more next week. So I will announce the final July best ball draft participant next week. And remember, all you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com. But I'll drop a little hint here. The winner of the final spot is going to be somebody that gets the awesome jeans or T-shirt that they have over at Mott and Bow. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W dot com. Enter the promo code FEAST at checkout. Here's the deal with these guys, right? The founder, Alejandro, who I've actually talked with, grew up in Honduras. 
manufacturing jeans, high quality denim, moved to New York City and was like, we can do this for a lot less than they're charging in these stores and sell it directly to people like Ross. I got mine. Fantastic. It's the best jeans I think I've ever gotten and a lot less than they would cost in the store. And Brian got his as well. Ridiculously comfortable jeans for a fraction of the price that you would pay otherwise. They also have some awesome t-shirts as well. So word to the wise here, if you want to get the last July best ball draft spot, we already finished up the June best ball draft. Go to mottandbow.com, M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com, mottandbow.com. Like Brian and I both did, you'll get 15% off when you use the code FEAST, which is awesome. Speaking of awesome, we got that one spot left, Evan, but we do have time to introduce the other three winners for this week. Scott Boyd took advantage of the Draft app. Deposit on the Draft app. You can use our code to get a little something-something over on the sponsors page at RossTucker.com. Mikey Henninger took advantage of our code over at BetOnline, the code BIGFEAST, to make a deposit over at BetOnline.ag. And Scotty Enright wasn't messing around. He sent me sponsor confirmations to Ross at RossTucker.com from both Omaha Steaks and SeatGeek. So you do a little extra, you go the extra mile, we will go the extra mile for you. So one's more spot next week. Would love for you to be a part of it and go head-to-head in a best ball draft against myself and Evan. Speaking, by the way, of best ball drafts, we've got Mike Beers on. Love the Twitter handle, at Beers Water. And I need to talk to him about that, actually. He is a best ball expert, and he is today's Next Meal. Next Meal. Very excited to bring back Mike Beers, who was awesome last year. You know that they're legit when Evan says, we got to get this guy on again. I mean, we love all of our guests that come on, but when you make a second appearance, you've made a really good first impression. His name is Mike Beers. He's got the Twitter handle of the century, at Beers Water, which I know we talked about it last year, Mike, but I need to talk about it again this morning. <laughs> and he is all over Rotoviz, Roto Grinders. Charts on charts on charts. I mean, Mike, you got a lot going. What what's your what what are you doing spending most of your time on these days? Uh well first off, thanks for having me back again. This is uh, this is great to be back. Um yeah, where my big project right now is the it's called Best Ball Command Center. Um people can find it at bestballcommandcenter.com. And um what it is, we've set up a um, sort of like a chat community on uh, via Slack where we're talking best ball and NFL all day, talking strategy. Um, I'm helping out subscribers with um, you know actual on the clock decisions in their uh, their best ball drafts, and then I set up a website um, charts on charts on charts dot com where we have a, a whole host of tools that help people out with. Um, with these best ball drafts, we're tracking ADP at like a, a much fresher, faster rate than uh, the websites offer. 
we can track your exposures to different players, which is really helpful for guys um, doing a lot of these drafts. And I know a lot of your listeners will be. And um, we can track, you know, where you've been getting them relative to ADP, trends in ADP, things like that. Um, and it, it's been a lot of fun. I've got um, a guy named Joe Pano. Um, he's at P-A-E-N-O on Twitter, helping me out. He's been great for the deep dives on uh, players and a really good uh, fantasy player. Um, he's been doing a great job for us. So it's been a lot of fun. It's awesome, man. And I'm, I, I think, Mike, that I am best ball for life. I love best ball. I love the format of the best ball drafts. I love everything about it. You know, and, and probably because during the season I'm so busy that roster management just becomes tougher for me. I just, I mean, the draft's the most fun part. And to be able to have it, and then you don't have to worry about it during the season. It automatically plugs your best players in, you know, the guys that played the best. I love that aspect of it. Now, I know you mentioned this last year, but I have a specific reason for asking this. Tell me about the Twitter handle again, at BeersWater. Yeah, so um, obviously the Beers part comes from my name, Mike Beers. Um, but I, when I first signed up for Twitter, which uh, feels like forever ago now, um, I was working at a, at a hedge fund and uh, it happened to have a name that started with B and ended with water. So uh, I thought it was uh, a cute joke at the time. Uh, but, you know, I really liked it, so I stuck with it. So this is good timing. I tweeted this today, and this is important, Mike, for Evan and his health, that there are 10 studies out there of, of ways in which beer makes you healthier. And I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> Number one, it protects your heart. According to a study, it helps cut back 42% lower risk of heart disease, according to Italian researchers. It helps you to think like a genius. Uh, people that had a buzz going solve problems a few seconds faster than their counterparts. It helps to prevent type 2 diabetes. It's good for your kidneys. I, I, I can't believe that, but evidently it is. It actually helps you recover faster from a workout, which is amazing, according to a Spanish study. All of these studies are international, which maybe that's questionable, but I don't care. I'm going with them. It gives you an instant confidence boost. We already knew that. It's the only reason how Evan ever is able to even talk to a girl. Um, <laughs> you're able to see clearer, which is awesome. You are. It helps you lower your blood pressure. It helps you fight off infection. And it helps to prevent a fracture. So there you have it. Ten legitimate. It's science. I mean, it's not me. It's not Evan. It's science. So, Evan, you are actually a lot healthier than I thought you were. You know, what does it say? What happens when you drink 20 of them? Yes. 20, then you 20 are 20 times, times healthier than you were before okay. that. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Mike, before I hand it over to Evan... And you guys get in in real deep. I, I guess I, I guess I did want to ask you. I, I got a, a, a message on uh, tuckheads.com recently from Rob Francis, who's a new Tuckheads. You know, we chat over there all the time, and he wanted to know if it's a viable strategy to try to for best ball to get both guys in like a a running back by committee, so to speak. And if that could end up being better for you 
than just getting, you know, one elite guy. So I think his examples might have been like Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead or like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. It didn't seem to make sense to me because you can only, you know, use one of them or if you use both of them, even if they both had a great game, it's just combined to have one great game. Is there any value in that, Mike? Uh, so I think there's some value to it, but um, it, it really depends on which pair of running backs you're talking about. I'm, I'm very strongly against the idea of handcuffing in best ball leagues, um, but that's you know the, sort of the special case where one guy is only going to have value if the guy ahead of him gets injured. Uh, I feel like that's like too big of a hedge. You're kind of wasting um, a roster spot taking that handcuff. And if your first guy goes down, it usually hurts so much that your second guy is not really going to save you. But um, in a couple of those situations you mentioned, like uh, Sony Michelle and Burkhead, I think both of them, um, just like Deion Lewis and Burkhead last year toward the end of the year, can have value while both are playing and both are healthy. Um, and in that case, it, it makes a lot of sense if you're very high on the Patriots offense. Um, you know, if one of them did get injured, they're not so expensive that it's going to cripple your team in these drafts, um, and the other one would pick up a lot of the workload. Um, that case, it makes sense. The um, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, though, um, they that feels more like a handcuff situation. The, um, the only difference is I don't know for sure which one is the number one at this point um i'm you know sure people have different opinions but i don't think both of them are going to end up being great picks this year i think it's going to be one or the other uh but then on that same team you know if you want to go aaron jones and ty montgomery because you think aaron jones is going to be the winner that makes sense to me i think both of those guys can be a really good value in your uh, fantasy drafts so it's really about you know if you like the whole offense and you think the whole offense is going to generate a lot of fantasy scoring then go for it, but don't don't do those hedges. Don't do that pure handcuff situation. Evan, it's you, bro. Yeah, um, I know that that was a great question because it was one of the ones on my list of, of things to ask Mike. Um, <laughs> the the Packers situation is interesting because you know I I was kind of a proponent of taking Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones early on when they were particularly cheap. Um, right. Jamal Williams has started to move up a little bit. Aaron Jones is now the guy that I'm willing to take. But man, you know, with with Ty Montgomery staying at RB, I had, I had kind of assumed earlier in the offseason that he wouldn't stay at RB and that he would be sort of a gadget player, or maybe even um, compete for that third receiver job, which is like wide open between Geronimo Allison and, and the three rookies that they took. Um. You know he's he's staying at RB, and I think that that one of the reasons that they probably kept him at RB is because they knew that the Aaron Jones suspension was coming. So now it's it's really a three way backfield, and it's gotten to the point where I'm I'm kind of avoiding it unless I can get you know Aaron Jones in the tenth or Ty Montgomery in the twelfth, and often even by the twelfth round I'm I'm already done drafting my 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 five RB stable. Um, what what do you think about that, Mike? And you know, are you personally investing in the Packers backfield? So uh, I'm I'm mostly in agreement with you there. I think, um, especially with uh, the Aaron Jones news making Jamal Williams more expensive, um, I'm really laying off those guys. I was drafting both of them uh, in my best ball teams, but not together. 
Um, I just wanted to have exposure to both because I didn't know who was kind of going to win there. Um, and I figured, you know, I could absorb having one bad pick on a team and, um, you know, the, uh, the teams where I had the other guy would get a big benefit. But uh, Ty Montgomery, I actually draft quite a bit. And um, it's really because I play more on, um, you know, MFL or over on Fanball than I do on draft. Um, I certainly play on both, but he's a much better value there, I think, where you get that full point PPR um, because he could, uh, you know, move out into the slot quite a bit. He's going to be involved as a receiver for that team and just, just gobble up points that way. So um, I'm kind of in a void on the, uh, those lead back guys, um, Williams and Jones, but I'm, I'm still buying Montgomery uh, pretty consistently. Yeah, my, my general feeling is that right now is that I'm not even sure that any of them is really going to hit that they, you know, they could end up playing all three of them. They all have value in, in uh, different areas in terms of real life football. And I just, I don't know if one's going to really, really pop, you know, big time. Plus, the Packers throw in the red zone so much. When Aaron Rodgers has been healthy, um, they're a top three team in, in terms of uh, throwing in the red zone. Uh, so, you know, is one guy is one guy even capable of having like a 10-touchdown season? We did see Jamal Williams finish strong last year, but that was with Brett Hundley at quarterback when they knew that they needed to run the ball more because their quarterback play was weaker. So, I'm starting to shy away, but uh, you know, you mentioned the the different formats of best ball. Um, play draft is a little bit newer, and most probably most people that listen to this podcast have at least tried one MFL ten, if not started to play multiple. I think a lot of people play uh, have have played multiple leagues. What do you think is the biggest difference between those two formats? You mentioned earlier how you know one, one like Ty Montgomery's ADP is different in one format as opposed to the other. Right. Um, yeah. So the big thing is that difference in scoring, you know, the half PPR versus full PPR really changes the running back position for me. Um, you know, a guy like Ty Montgomery, like I said, he just has more value when you get um, uh, that extra half point for every catch. And it changes the way you have to draft because um, one of the nice things about the full PPR is, it really expands the running back pool. You can find more running backs like Ty Montgomery, like, um, you know, going a little deeper, James White, um, you know, guys like that who really need the, that scoring to prop up your team. They're just not great assets on draft um, when you're talking about relative to other formats. And that means you have to, you have to collect those guys who are getting a lot of carries who aren't dependent on the receiving game um, earlier on in draft leagues. Um, so that, in terms of strategy, how that changes it, I'm really attacking running back more heavily early in those drafts. Um, I'm much more willing to go, you know, sort of a quasi zero RB strategy in, in a full PPR league. I will almost never do it in um, in a draft league unless something weird happens and all these great players are falling. It, it's very difficult to execute. Um, and it, you know, the teardrops are are bigger. Uh, between, uh, you know, those early running backs and the later guys you can find. So that, that's really the big thing. Um, you know, the other difference is, is draft doesn't have defenses. It's only 18 rounds. But that, that really only has marginal effects on, on roster construction, strategy, that kind of stuff. Speaking of roster construction, so we've, we've done a ton on MFL 10 roster construction, including your show last year. What? How about on draft? What is your typical 
roster construction on draft? How many quarterbacks are you taking? How many running backs, et cetera, et cetera? So it's very similar to um, MFL 10s. You know, in terms of quarterbacks, it's going to be two or three, depending on where I get them. You know, if, if I paid up for one of the single-digit round guys, I'm only going to take two. If I'm waiting until the end, I'm probably going to have three. At running back, um, I, I usually end up with five, sometimes even four, but I'm taking them earlier on average um, for the reasons we just um, went through. You know, I'm, I'm getting stronger running backs. And I want to have more wide receivers. So I usually end up with eight or nine wide receivers, whereas in MFL I might be seven or eight more often um, because I want more shots at touchdowns at that position. There are fewer guys who are going to give you good starting caliber weeks um, just through the volume, you know, just those points for every reception. Um, they're not going to get into your starting lineup or give you good scores as often. So I want to have more shots at, um, you know, those big play receivers. So I'll end up with something like two to three quarterbacks, um, four or five running backs, and then um, eight or nine receivers and two or three tight ends is uh, typical. But it's not the same every single draft. Rob had the great question earlier. Rob had the great question earlier about um, the uh, the like running backs on the same team. What what's your feeling on wide receivers on the same team? I find myself taking quite a bit of Doug Baldwin in the third and then coming back and taking Tyler Lockett like in the 13th or um, Rashard Matthews in the 10th and Taewon Taylor in the 18th. Do you have any strong feelings on that or is it just all about, you know, value or, or you know, what do you, what, what is your, what is your take on the two wide receivers on the same team? Yeah. So I, I'm not really a, Opposed to it, there are certain situations where um, I, I'm really neither targeting it nor avoiding it. It really comes down to who's a value at the time. Um, what I don't like to do is get two receivers on the same team who I think um, like cannibalize each other, or uh, you know, one has to have a bad year for the other one to succeed. Um, so, for example, you know, I like um, I like Stafford. I like the uh, Lions passing game this year. I'm fine having uh, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate on the same roster. I think they can, and we saw last year, they can both succeed. But I'm less interested in having Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay on the same team. Um, so the splits for Marvin Jones when Galladay was playing well uh, do not look good. Uh, I think if Galladay is going to have a big year, Jones probably isn't going to have been a very good value uh, where he's being drafted and vice versa. Um, so it really comes down to the situation. And if I really like an offense, um, you know, if I, I like the Saints offense or the, the Patriots offense, I'm naturally just while making, you know, sort of value picks, I'm going to end up with guys on the same team and I'm fine with that. I just don't want them uh, to hurting each other. I don't want to limit the upside of my roster by hedging that way. Yeah. I wonder if Amari Cooper plus Jordy Nelson could be similar. Although I do like Jordy Nelson's, uh, his um his value right now or like Thielen and Diggs together you know like around the three four turn or something like that those might be other examples of that um were you drafting much before the actual NFL draft Mike and do you think that there are specific uh strategy points that you know maybe have changed a lot since then or just what's your feeling on drafting before the actual NFL draft 
Yeah, so I, I drafted quite a bit before the NFL draft this year, more than I did in past years. And the reason was, was very specific. Um, I think there is one particular big edge you can get drafting um, before the NFL draft, and that's at the running back position. Um, I did a study sort of before this uh, draft season got started on what happens to rookie ADPs um, and success rates um, you know, before and after the NFL draft. And I found at wide receiver, things are kind of mixed. Quarterbacks generally aren't worth drafting. Tight ends are usually a big risk with a couple of exceptions. But running backs, while they aren't all home runs, they universally, almost universally, um, get more expensive after the NFL draft. You know, there's something about, um, you know, safety, comfort, knowing where the player is, that, you know, makes them feel like a better draft pick. Uh, you know, there were some exceptions this year. Uh, Nick Chubb, you know, um, the shares that I got before the draft had not looked especially smart right now, but I was buying virtually everybody. Um, I, I felt like I didn't even have to have, know for sure who the best running backs in the class were. Anyone who had a good shot at a, at a good role I was buying. So I have a lot of pre-draft exposure to Royce Freeman, to Rashad Penny, um, less so Ronald Jones. I kind of missed the boat on him, but guys like Kerryon Johnson, I got a lot of shares of them before the draft without being sure where they'd land. I also had a lot of Nick Chubb, but you know, the, the pluses outweighed the minuses. And um, now there's several rounds more expensive. I mean, Freeman is, uh, you know, not eight or nine rounds more expensive than it used to be. And those are home run picks. Um, I think that's really going to help my, you know, best ball portfolio uh, when the, when all is said and done. And I can ease off of them now. Um, I have that all that exposure. You know, I, I don't want to have 60% of my rosters uh, featuring Royce Freeman. So if I stop drafting him now, I'm still going to have a healthy percentage and it'll all have been at a very low price. So I think that's a really good way to do things um unfortunately that doesn't really help anyone right now uh, that's right you could have done a few months ago um the other thing that changes a bit is you know i'm more likely to go um you know if we're talking about mfl 10s i'll draft only two defenses prior to the nfl draft and i more often do three defenses after because of that reduced risk sort of mo- knowing more about who's where what roles are more secure I like to have an extra shot at a wide receiver, an extra shot at a running back before the draft, um, just in case I get some things wrong. You know, it's just uh, there's a lot, there's just more risk then. Um, but then I feel better about these guys. You know, when we get to August, we know so much more. Uh, and I feel like I've got a better handle on the guys I drafted. I can use a roster spot on some safer defense points um, at the end there. So on draft, which is a little bit more touchdown heavy because of the scoring. Um, because it's only half-point PPR uh, as opposed to MFL 10s, which are full-point PPR, I'm, I'm like, going aggressive on tight ends. Um, I want to get two guys in the first eight rounds. Um, <clears throat> I want to get touchdown scorers. You know, I like to take Kyle Rudolph. I think that Delaney Walker um, has touchdown regression forthcoming this year. Um, you know, I think that you know, obviously Gronk and, and Kelsey and, and Ertz up at the top, you know, these are guys who should score in the, in the seven plus tight end rate, uh, touchdown range. Uh, Evan Ingram, 
I think he's going to lose targets, but I think he can be. He has a lot of room for efficiency growth, and I think he's going to have big games because he's a, a big play kind of player. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to get two of those guys, and um, I guess that's not really something that a lot of other people are doing. What, what are your th- What is your approach, Mike? Because you're one of the best best ball players in the world. What is your approach to drafting the tight end position? Yeah, so I, I'm um, looking forward to talking about this because um, I'm hoping to change your mind a little bit um, on part of your strategy. I agree with ev- pretty much everything you just said about tight ends and the value of touchdowns, especially on draft. Uh, the tricky thing for me is, uh, you know, when you are investing, you know, sort of two top, you know, eight round uh, picks at tight end to get those good players you were just mentioning. I really want to stop at only two tight ends. And you've mentioned to me before, you know, you typically, you like to get two of those guys and then a third one later on who you think might have some more of that touchdown upside. I feel like the, the value in those earlier picks at tight end, part of it is that it allows you to stop at two tight ends um, and use that roster spot at wide receiver, or running back, more shots at that position. And if you actually look at, um, the data, sort of the success rates of teams uh, from last year. I have last year's data for draft. I have more on MFLs, but we'll talk about draft. Um, you know, two versus three tight ends is the win rates for those, you know, roster constructions are almost identical. But if you look at only teams that took two tight ends, be, you know, before the ninth round, uh, going with two instead of three has a 3% win rate difference, which maybe sounds small, but when we're talking about roster construction is actually a pretty big uh, change for, um, you know, just making the decision whether to drop or whether to draft a third guy later on. Um, And I really think that comes down to the value of that roster position. You could use that for one more wide receiver who's going to, you know, give you more shots at that position where you start three um, in addition to the flex. And, you know, with your tight ends, if you already got two really good ones from those early rounds, your third one, uh, you know, may never be your starting tight end. Um, he will rarely contribute to the flex because even though he's, um, he might score some touchdowns, they're still not likely to outscore wide receivers from mm-hmm. those same rounds. Um, so I think, you know, the big thing for me is paying attention to where you get the tight ends. I, I like, all the guys you named, um, particularly Rudolph, he's one of my favorite um, tight end picks. But if you're going to invest in the position, you kind of need to you need to cut it off before you overspend and sort of um, handicap your other roster positions, uh, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, definitely when you're drafting, it's like, you know, it crosses your mind, or at least it crosses my mind, like I need some injury protection. But at the same time... Right. We're trying to finish in first, not fourth, right? So we're trying to win, you know? And so taking that extra tight end in the 16th through 18th round, Seals Jones, Vance McDonald, Austin Hooper, I mean, I like all those guys, and I I just find it difficult to ignore them late in the draft. Um, But when I've already got, you know, Olsen and Rudolph, you're right. Instead of thinking about injury protection, I should be thinking about um, trying to finish in first. 
Um, so yeah. I think that those are great points. Uh, let's talk about quarterbacks. The the onesie, you know, the the typical onesie positions. They're not really onesie positions in best ball, but I think that they're actually the most fascinating positions in best ball. Are we taking two? or Are we taking three? You know, where are we taking them? I I really try to be the last guy in each of my uh, best ball drafts to take a quarterback, and that means that I'm ending up with a lot of Mitchell Trubisky. A lot of Alex Smith, a lot of Blake Bortles, ton of Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Ryan Tannehill. Um, where are you usually taking quarterbacks? Are there any quarterbacks you're willing to take early, early, you know, much earlier than consensus, maybe even in the single-digit rounds? Or are you mostly uh, drafting in, in that range where I am? So I, I tend to mix it up. Um, you know, for the versus consensus question, um, there are no – quarterbacks so I'm taking ahead of their ADP um, but there are guys in the single digit rounds who when maybe they fall in a round later than usual I'm willing to, to bite um, I like Russell Wilson's upside um, you know Rogers is almost always too expensive but um, Cam Newton has been available pretty late um, I love what's going on with their offense uh, I think he has a ton of touchdown upside this year um, so, you know, those are guys I will bite on. Uh, but the big thing, again, like you said, that two versus three decision, if mm-hmm. I'm taking one of those guys, I'm only going to draft two quarterbacks. I'm not going to overspend um, because there are good guys available late. And, uh, you know, and I'm happy to also use your approach where, you know, you're waiting toward the end. I, you know, Trubisky, Bortles, Keenum is, is a great combination at quarterback um there's certainly you're going to be at least average to above average at the position um you didn't have to spend any of those early round picks on it and um you know it gives you a nice floor you're protected even if one of those guys gets injured um so i think both approaches are 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 good um and i in particular i really like keenum this year um and i'm with you on bortles bortles every year is undervalued uh but you know my my you know strategy there is really just the focusing on how much am I investing for this upside, for this floor, for for the potential, um, and I'm willing to use an extra roster spot uh, if I waited, but I'm not if I drafted Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, something like that. My favorite spot to pick in the draft is 1.04, um, and I'll just take whichever one of those top four RBs: Zeke Elliott, David Johnson. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, I will just take whichever guy falls to that 1.04 pick. And then I get the best pick on the wraparound you know, among those top four picks. So yep. um, do you, yeah, is that, do you like that spot? What's your favorite spot to, to draft? Uh, I think it's different on draft versus, um, versus MFL. Uh, but I'm with you on the, the 1.04 on draft. Uh I used to like the 1.1 because uh, you get that first pick in the third round. I felt like there was kind of a uh, drop off in running backs right there, like a teardrop. But, you know, now that LaShawn McCoy is not draftable in that range, um, it really, it's moved up a little bit, um, and especially on draft where running backs tend to go quicker than on, in MFL. You know, having that earlier second round pick really gets you one of those last really strong guys um, to go with your elite running back. So I, I really like that choice. Um, but in, in MFLs, I'm really liking 
getting um, you know sort of, sort of the one of those back end picks uh, where you can get an elite wide receiver again this you know that's the PPR format you can get Julio Jones or Odell Beckham even um, you know Hopkins falls as late as the eighth or ninth pick sometimes. And you can uh, still get one of those very good running backs. Um, I really like Melvin Gordon this year. You know, if I could start a draft with uh, Melvin Gordon and Julio Jones or Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen uh, and then get two running backs um, at the 3-4 turn, I really love how those um, those drafts are playing out. So, you know, again, I guess that's another uh, answer to the earlier question about differences between draft and MFL 10. Um I think I like to be at the front and draft and in the back in MFL 10s. A couple more. Are there any guys that stand out to you as obvious fades this season? Guys that you think we should be avoiding? Yeah. um, So there are a couple of guys in the, um, the early rounds who I rarely draft. And those are Dalvin cook and Joe Mixon. Um, And for different reasons, Uh, cook, is just so expensive. He's, you know, early second round pick. Um, and I really want a good floor with my early picks. Um, he, he has ton of upside. Like I, I, I think his upside is you know, almost through the roof on that team, but he's coming off, you know, uh, a serious injury. He's uh, kind of had an injury riddled past and they have a strong backup in Latavius Murray, who they just gave, you know, they restructured his contract, gave him a good amount of money. I think he's going to get a decent amount of work. So I, I just don't love the downside for that pick, despite appreciating the upside. And then the other guy I don't love is um, Joe Mixon. And I understand all the arguments for him, like why he's creeping into the early second. Um, he could have a very, you know, big role with goal line work in Cincinnati. But, the you know, the reality for me is uh, – you know, he was something like running back 30 last year, uh, despite getting a, a pretty solid workload. Um, their offensive line is a little better, but it's not, it's not good now. It's just not garbage, I think, is, the, is probably fair. Um, and he just has to make such a leap. That, you know, I, don't want, I, I don't like betting on giant leaps um, with my second or third round pick. Um, and then one that's more draft specific, but I think on MFLs too, is Jarvis Landry. I almost never draft, um, particularly on draft because you don't have that full PPR. Uh, it's so crowded in Cleveland right now. Um, the Cleveland offense could be really good. Uh, you know, they have all the pieces, but they, you know, the reason is they have all those, they have all those pieces. They have all those options. It's really should eat into Landry's volume. Um, which is really, you know, sort of the lifeblood of his his fantasy production. So he's another guy I've, I've been avoiding uh, almost entirely. Awesome. Last question. <clears throat> so draft is ring this big tournament, by far the biggest tournament that has ever been created in best ball history. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Well, first of all, I think that my initial thought was to kind of treat it like daily fantasy and try to go for team stacks, um, certainly pairing you know quarterbacks with wide receivers and tight ends on the same team, and might maybe even going all in on teams that you think might um, might be able to take a big big leap. I think that the you know offenses that might be able to take a big big leap. I think the most obvious examples would be like the, the Titans and the Bears, and, and that may offer mm-hmm. value. 
um, later in the, um, you know, because the, those guys are not, the guys on those teams are not drafted highly. Um, but what is your, what is your general thought? Do you agree with that? And what, what is, what would be your strategy for anybody trying to win this massive best ball tournament? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, I do agree with your strategy and it's kind of weird though, because you, it very much has that DFS element because you have to get those top scores at the end of the year. But also before that, you still have to win your league, right? Um, so you you can't just shoot for, um, you know, stream volatility week to week. Um, so there, there are certain teams I think it, it might make more sense to stack, um, you know, like uh, New Orleans, in particular, Breeze and wide receivers. Um, you know, if you look, looking at late season schedules um, is probably a good idea for this tournament, given that the last, you know, three weeks are where you're going to make the real money. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, if we're talking about a much higher reward um, and a lower likelihood of winning. And what that tr- means to me is, you know, there are guys throughout the draft who are discounted because they're risky. Um, and those are the guys I'm going to target uh, more than trying to stack teams. You know, there's a, you know, like Tyler Eifert, is probably fairly priced. And the reason he's fairly priced is because he's a very risky pick. He's got, uh, you know, a lot of injury risk. Um, Jordan Reed, same thing. Andrew Luck. Um, those are guys who I might be avoiding in a traditional league, but who I'm going to have more of in a big tournament format like this because when they pay off, they're going to pay off a lot more. You know, that's where you're going to get the really high scores. Um, so I'm going to try to – I'm not – deviating too much from you know the way i normally draft but i'm considering those guys at their usual prices much more strongly um also just generally speaking i'm probably only going to have two quarterbacks on um all those teams i just think um hitting on two quarterbacks and then having more shots at um spike weeks the rest of the way is, is probably going to be what wins this tournament um, you know, I think three quarterbacks is, is a higher floor strategy and it's not really what you're looking for. Uh, but otherwise it's really, you know, it's embracing risk. It's not going crazy, but it's, um, you know, being willing to pull the trigger on those guys who are, who are discounted for those high risk, um, you know, scenarios that they're in. Mike, this was fantastic. It always is really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great, as always. Check him out on Twitter, at BeersWater, so you can find out all the things Mike has going on. Thanks, Mike. Yep, thank you. BeersWater never fails to deliver. That was awesome. It always is. Speaking of awesome, by the way, how about PFF? Now, I know a lot of you go over to Pro Football Focus and look at their rankings for players, etc. But have you really dug in to their fantasy rankings and the value they provide with their fantasy stats and projections? It is legit. Join PFF Edge for full access to PFF's rankings, fantasy draft tools, positional matchup charts, and of course, their award-winning website content are you a high stakes player step up to pff elite which includes everything in edge plus the complete premium stats database green line game picks 
and DFS Optimizer, PFF Fantasy leads you to victory with data-driven projections, expert rankings, and roster advice all year long. From draft night to the fantasy playoffs, the experts at PFF will give your team the inside advantage. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up now at Pro Football Focus. That'll do it for episode number one this week, but we've got two. Players are doing two days. We are doing two days, Evan. Please rate and review the show. We love when you guys do that. That's huge for us. Spreading the word via social media with the retweets and the likes, especially the retweets, is very, very helpful. Episode two is going to be amazing. We've got Kenyon Drake. We've got Terrence West, and we've got the answers to some of your email questions on episode two, which we'll post on Thursday early in the morning. So remember, we'll have two. Some of you might not listen to this one right away. So remember, we've got not one, but two fresh new Fantasy Feast podcasts so that you guys can eat. For right now, though, I'm stuffed. That was like the appetizers and halfway through the entree. Then we got to eat the rest of the entree and get ready for dessert. Kenyon Drake, Terrence West, Evan's thoughts on Le'Veon Bell, Ricky Seals-Jones, as well as Brandon Cokes with the news out this week. It is necessary to have two episodes a week. I'm pumped and I'm stuffed. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.